So listen in to my next interview with Sam. Sam became a foreign exchange student at 17 years old, studying abroad in Brazil. That was her first time getting on an international flight, and she never looked back. She loved seeing the world so much that she became a flight attendant and still flies to this day decades later. She's been living in Italy with her boyfriend and absolutely loving it. So Listen into this interview if you want to find out about becoming a flight attendant, living in Italy, and so much more. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guest and host will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. Hello, welcome back to the Are We Home Yet podcast, a podcast where I talk to expats around the world. So today I have the pleasure of interviewing Sam. Hi, Sam. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. So where are you currently in the world? Currently, I am actually in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> <on a> layover. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. So why are you in Denver? Because I know like you live somewhere else in the world and we'll get to that in a moment. But why are you in Denver? I am a flight attendant. I've been a flight attendant for the last 15 years. Wow. So I am on a layover here. So um, it's, it's, it's past my bedtime per se, because I do try to stay on Italy time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's why that's why I'm here. It's, um, it's nice. The weather is really nice right now. So I'm enjoying traveling throughout the U.S. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So where are you from originally? Yes, I'm American. I'm originally from an area called Boca Raton in Florida. Parents are there. Most of my siblings are still there. So that is home. Cool, cool, cool. Where do you normally live and how long have you been living there? So I normally live in Florence, Italy. I've been in Florence for five years now. I do go back and forth between Florence and New York, but my life, my socializing, me being active and and all of that good stuff does happen in Florence. So I do consider that my current. All right. And so, so what made you move to Florence? Well, there's typically two reasons people typically will will move to Italy. Mm -hmm. It's for the love. Italy or for the love of an Italian <laughs> and I I am there for the latter I met an Italian guy and that's why I moved there we have a mutual friend we met at a birthday party that was kind of dreamy it was in the Tuscan hillside in an mm-hmm. area called San Gimiano and um, we met and I came back three months later on my own we met randomly at our friend's birthday party and I came back to Italy on my own and we linked up and I didn't know anything about him. He didn't know anything about me. My friend just suggested that I, I visit Florence because I had never been to Florence. And he's like, you should visit Florence and you should contact Michelangelo. And I'm sure he'll be happy to show you around. And that's just like where our, like our love story began. And so five oh years later, gosh. I am wow. 
still mm. traveling through the Tuscan hillside. Wow, that sounds amazing. Gosh, and his name is Michelangelo. Gosh, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So tell us all about, you know, what's it like living in Florence? What's it like living in Italy? Like, you know, because I know like different parts have different food. So like, you know, tell us like the food and the culture and the people and the environment. Like, tell us all about it. Well, Florence has a very peculiar um, culture because, you know, they're known for the Renaissance. They're known for being like kind of like the creme de la creme of Italian, um, like what you see when you are um, when you're looking at Italy in pictures and all of that stuff. Um, but the whole vibe of Italy, I think personally, I don't know someone maybe from a different part of Italy, but maybe um, disagree. But I think personally uh, Florence kind of embraces uh, what Italy is. So it is really nice to be there. The people are nice. It does take a little while for you to kind of uh, make friends. But uh, once you kind of get into the circles, networking is important. And it's very rewarding. You st definitely start to see like the fruit of your labor um, when it comes to you uh, meeting people. The food in Florence is amazing. Mm. It's known for their steak so their florentine steak really nice thick cut of beef um also you know fresh tuscan olive oil which you can get olive oil all over italy a lot of people have their own personal olive trees and their um grapevines where they uh, will get their wine produced and make their own olive oil um but it's just great a, a lot of people in tuscany um, or in italy in general but they have pride for um, what they present to you. You go to restaurants and like my favorite pasta is cashew pepe. It's um, like pecorino cheese and just regular spaghetti noodles and peppers, a very simple um, type of pasta, but it just embraces, uh, I think, everything that kind of is Tuscany. And then, of course, you have wine. We have our Chianti. It's just, it's, 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 when you're in Florence, you feel so present. Like, I love the mornings of just stepping out onto our terrace and you see like smoke in the distance and you know that nobody's property is on fire. Someone's just burning something and you can smell it and the air is fresh and the birds are chirping. And it's just like this really beautiful um, type of ambiance mm -hmm. that you feel when are in Tuscany or specifically in Florence. So yeah, that's my town. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So, I mean, it sounds amazing. I remember when I visited, gosh, a few years ago, I want to say a few years ago, but that's not correct because I've been living here and not travel for a few years. So like a few years beyond a few years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, like the, the food was unbelievable. You know, I, I mean, I, I felt, I felt great there. Um, so, so, you know, it sounds like you know if you feel great and you're really enjoying yourself so tell me like what's what's your quality of life like like your your cost of living your safety peace of mind like tell me all about you know beyond like how great you feel wow safety is actually a really um an important topic especially considering with my job I travel so much throughout the U.S. Mm -hmm. and I'm able to get a taste of the the energy between the two different countries. Um, I feel very safe in Italy, not just as a, a woman. 
I, of course, can walk throughout the streets really late at night, and I do not feel as if I am in danger. Of course, that is something that I probably wouldn't do in some southern towns, but I've had a very good experience in um, in Tuscany of being a woman walking around, um, being a Black woman. That is something that um, you kind of learn, and it's 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 something that is it's um it's something that a lot of people maybe not want to address. But you kind of learn that in these countries, even though racism does ex- uh, does exist, racism racism exists everywhere. But in Italy, I feel as if social class almost like trumps it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very interesting, awkward um, situation that I know a lot of African-Americans, I've been having this conversation amongst a lot of my friends, um, that they kind of have a hard time admitting because we do have a, a certain level of privilege in other countries that we have a hard time kind of coping with because we don't have it when we're in the state. So you go there and you're not used to being put on a, on a pedestal in a sort of way. So my quality of life in Italy is actually a pretty good one. I live in a, I would say a lower upper class to just like an upper class lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that is because of my partner. Um, and then also, even if I wasn't with him because of the money that I make in the state in the cost of living in Italy, I'm able to um, live and have a very, I have a very relaxed life when I'm in Italy. What I make in the States compared to what Italians make on average is completely different. The average Italian apartment is about twelve fifty a month. That's in Euro if you're in the city. And the average Italian, um, I believe minimum rate they get paid once a month is about eight to nine hundred. So most Italians, if you are living in the hardest of Fidenze and Florence, um, you're living in probably property that you've inherited and or um, you're living outside of the center. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really, uh, all in all, I'm really fortunate to be living um, in a, a higher social class than, um, than I definitely have the ability to do in the state. I'm able to be much safer in the state, in, in Italy, excuse me, than I, I feel in the state. My anxiety is very high when I'm in the state. I rarely leave my hotel room mm-hmm. when I am traveling here. Um, and that that is that is the conscious decision that I've made. So it is, and I've spoken to a lot of people of color who travel abroad. And safe, their, their safety in when they're traveling to Italy is they feel much safer. And it's the violence you don't feel when you're in Italy. There's one thing of being like pickpocketed. I think that kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. But when you're there, you don't feel that you're not afraid of the police officers. You're not feeling as if. Um, your your life is in danger, and that is that is really la dolce vita. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. You know, and that's one thing that I can say about being in China. You know, like you know, even though like as I was mentioning to you before, like the lockdowns and stuff, they can like <laughs> really get to me. Uh, but you know, I do have to admit that you know when 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 you know obviously when we're not like down and and we are like free and we're roaming and and hanging out. Um, yeah, it can be two o'clock in the morning. And yeah, I, I don't feel like, um, like, like there, like there will be any concern that, that I should have any concern for my safety, honestly. Um, you know, you know, of course, like, you know, I am aware of my surroundings, but still not like, like someone's going to harm me, um, or anything like that. So, I mean, that is good. Yeah. And, and, and that, that is, I, you know, I guess sometimes the benefit of, you know, living in, 
you know, other places other than your homeland, you can see, see some of the differences, you know, about other places, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's good or bad, but you can see the differences and how that can impact your life. Okay. So now you've lived in Italy for quite some time now. And, you know, was, was that the first country you had ever relocated to? Were there any others? No, I lived in Brazil for a year. I was a foreign exchange student. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that my senior year of high school when I was 17. I moved to the south of Brazil in a city called Florianopolis. And then I did that for a year. I came back. I was 18. Mm-hmm. And I tried having kind of like a normal job. All of my friends were, you know, doing the SATs and focusing on university and I just kind of knew that wasn't for me. I paid for the SATs multiple times and it just wasn't something that was in my heart. Mm-hmm. So I tried kind of job for a little bit mm-hmm. and I was actually able to get jobs that were really high paying, but I knew it just wasn't something that I wanted to do. And so um, I looked into becoming a flight attendant. So I started flying when I was 19 years old. Wow. Um, and the beginning of, you know, my career of my, my, my living abroad and of me becoming, um, cultured, uh, living in Florida, you have a lot of culture, but a lot of people don't really mix the, the Cuban community kind of stays with the community, the Cuban community, the Dominicans, the Dominicans, you know, the people from the Caribbean are, they all are in their little, you know, in their little uh, corners, but you don't really get that mix of like, you know, I wasn't familiar with, you know, Asian culture and things of that sort. You just kind of stereotype. So I moved to New York when I was by myself at 19. Mm. And that's when I, you know, even felt like, you know, like uh, the Hasidic Jewish community, all of those different things that my family has no, could, couldn't even imagine. So uh, yeah, I've always, I feel like it's something that I was kind of meant to do to live abroad and to um, kind of just be kind of a, a of, I don't want to say a vagabond, but definitely I am a, a global citizen. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. So, I mean, wow, 19. I mean, gosh, you know, when I think back at 19, wow. Um, I I went to university in, in Florida and, you know, like mm-hmm. later on, I regretted not studying abroad. So, you know, you're speaking about all your friends. They were taking the SATs. They were going to college, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, you know, I did the same thing. Years later, I regretted not studying abroad because, you know, when when I did speak to some of my, you know, friends who had studied abroad, oh my God, the experiences that they talked about, you know, Sweden and France and Germany and, you know, whatnot. And, and it was really amazing. So, you know, I, I always wanted after that to go live abroad somewhere and see like, wow, what kind of an amazing experience might I have? Um, But that really wasn't like the conversation, you know, that my family and I were having about like, hey, yeah, living abroad. So I guess I'm wondering, you know, like for you to make that decision at 19, like, I mean, you know, growing up, did you and your family travel throughout the world? Like, and, and it, it, was it just Brazil that made the imprint? Like, you know, what was it that gave you honestly that courage at such a young age to make such, such a big decision? Um, good question. Um, when, well, my parents divorced when I was, you know, like maybe 10 or 11 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was a Girl Scout before then. So I was always kind of with the Girl Scouts. We would kind of do little trips. And I, from there, I was more, my family's from the South. My mom's family's from Mississippi. My dad's family is from Gainesville, Florida. Um, and so they didn't know much about different cultures as well. 
So when I was a young girl and I was the only black girl in the Girl Scouts, I was seeing just how other people did things outside. I, I, that was like my introduction to people who do things differently. And so from that, um, getting into high school and, you know, playing on, uh, the, you know, the soccer team and being around a lot of Brazilians and things of that sort, I just kind of, I just always felt that I was like, oh, that's interesting. You guys do this. And, oh, what is, what is this I'm eating? And, oh, this is different. I always had like this kind of um, curiosity. My mom always called me inquisitive. She's like, oh, Simone is inquisitive. And so um, from there, it was a lot of convincing when I was 17 to tell my parents who I think they might have been to just the Bahamas um, to tell them that, hey, I'm going to go. I, I, I've done everything. I've got I, I literally got all of my high school credits. My um, my was it the junior year. So I was basically done with high school a whole year early. Um, and so I said, I've gotten everything, you know, like I, I, I've got all my, my doctor, not my doctor, my, uh, my teachers have approved everything. I've got all my credits. I spoke to my guidance counselor and I've gotten all of my Brazilian friends to, you know, write and translate everything that I need for this to do this. Mm-hmm. So, um, my parents did not do any traveling when we were young besides just road trips to, um, to the South, to Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama. Um, and, um, and yeah, they, I didn't, I didn't fly for the first time until, um, I think I was, uh, right before my Brazil trip, Mm -hmm. first time I flew. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. Okay. And so like, what, like how many places have you traveled to? I mean, you know, I'm sure you probably like, uh, won't be able to name all of them. Uh, but I mean, mm-hmm. like, like, give us, give us some, some insight. How many? Well, on my own, I, I was a, um, a couch surfer, so I would travel a lot on my own. Um, but I still don't feel like I've done enough. I would like to do a lot more once the world reopens. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, like Costa Rica, I've been just about everywhere in the state. Um, I think I've been just about every single state. Um, I've been to, of course, Brazil multiple times, Italy, Iceland, France. I've been to Russia. Um, I've done South Africa. I did that by myself. Um, wow. Ghana. Mm, some of these places with work, you do get a really long layover like Ghana. I did that with work and that was a three, that was a five day trip. Mm-hmm. And that was fantastic. Able to see the slave castles and all of that. Um, a lot of Europe, Croatia, I quarantined two weeks in Croatia during the lockdown, um, Greece, a lot of Europe. Europe is always really easy to do because it's so affordable to hop between. I guess it's kind of similar when you get into Asia where you can maybe like see a little, you know, take a little hopper plane and go um, to different countries. So mostly a lot of Europe, some of like some of I've been to Peru, some of South America, um, not enough, definitely not enough. I'm, I'm definitely excited and I'm hoping that I can, um, you know, get a few, some few more stamps on my passport. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not as happy as I could be with my stamp. Let's take a quick break. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you share, subscribe, download, rate, review the podcast, and join our community via Facebook and Instagram by typing in are we home yet podcast and Twitter by typing in are we home yet pod where we share resources you can interact with our guest and you have a chance to tell your story as a former current or future expat 
and of course, be a part of our community. The social media links are also at the bottom of the page on the rewehomeyetpodcast.com website as well. Okay, now back to the show. collection mm-hmm. put it that way mm-hmm. you know how how did you even though yes you do have a partner there in Italy and mm-hmm. you know you so obviously like that would make it much easier than say like if I just up and and moved to Italy and I didn't know anyone uh, but you know mm-hmm. how did you make Italy how did you make Florence how did you make a home there like you know how did you feel comfortable how did you make friends? Yeah. How, how did that work? Wow. Um, that's another really good question. <laughs> um, with, comfort, <laughs> with comfort, a lot of it comes with boundaries mm-hmm. um, of both of us of, you know, I am okay with you doing this. I'm not okay with you doing this. Um, it was a conversation because I was going back and forth to Italy for uh, a little while, but we hadn't actually had the conversation of you live here. So I had to, once I was living, I had my apartment in New York and I was paying, you know, New York is pretty expensive. So, you know, I was like, look, this doesn't make sense. I'm never in my apartment. We have to make some type of a, you know, some type of an arrangement of me living here and my stuff and all this stuff. And he was like, you do live here. And I'm like, I know, but we haven't had a conversation of me living here. So we actually had a conversation in that having that making that you know setting that that boundary or or that 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 foundation of I live here not I'm always here that made things a lot more comfortable where there wasn't gray area um and so from that it was okay I'm respecting the fact that you live here and I live here we want to live together it's just Italy seems like a better place for us to do it so it was setting those boundaries and just saying like you know I I understand that I won't have I'm going to ask you if I can bring people here and even though this is your home I expect you to do the same and and things of that sort um it's been a not a lot of ups and downs but there's still some things that um that can get lost in the sauce Mm -hmm. um and then you have with friends it's actually it it was a while I'm on on social media I'm a Perry life but initially I was a Perry painting because Mm -hmm. I was really lonely um Italian specifically um the Florentine with their with the ambiance of being the aristocrats the you know the, the the people who began it all in their mind or whatever um, they can be very clicky and they're, they, they, we have this phrase in Italy where you will say the city and then you will say bene at the end. So you're Milano bene, you're Roma red bene. So it means you are from that area and you're the good from that area. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, this person is Firenze. So um, the Florentine have this thing where they don't want to kind of mix and they are very clicky. So they're not really big on bringing new people into their circles. Italians, from the age of 14, they go, they, they, they're in a class with the same exact people until they graduate, the same exact people. So they're not used to the, um, you know, the interacting of, hey, this is, you know, this is Jessica and she is the new student in town. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen. So the skills that you learn to kind of meet new people, Italians really aren't really familiar with that. And when you add in money and class, even more so the the, the the circle becomes smaller and smaller. So long story short, I was really, I was really um, lonely and it took me getting, um, forcing myself to go out there and say, you know what, 
I am not just this. I'm not going to be about painting in Italy. I'm going to be about this is a lifestyle. So that's when I changed to a Perry life. And then not just a Perry life. I'm going to force myself to get out into the groups where there are people who are like me. And that's where I started to look at for expat groups and immigrant groups or foreigner groups or whatever to where I found now I found uh, like my kind of like my tribe and my thing in Florence now is to to expand on that. So I have my own little groups that I run and um, social events that I run. And that's how uh, it, it, it wasn't easy. And I would say it wasn't until really the pandemic that I was able to really make friends because what ended up happening was all of the foreigners left. It was sort of kind of like, um, you know, you've got like a, a bunch of like, you know, like poles sticking, sticking in the mud. People who live there are poles in the mud, but it's a very foggy day and the fog is tourists and it's the, the, the people who are there temporarily. And you can't see the poles because there's so much fog. So the pandemic cleared the fog out and then it was just a bunch of poles standing around and we were like, well, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And so we all found each other. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it became much more, much more easy, like, because once with the networking in, in Italy, um, and sorry, I've had a decent amount of coffee. Before this. <laughs> um, but, but the networking in Italy, um, once you know one person, it starts to open doors. And I needed to find that person to open the door to the, I'm not just an expat that's studying here that plans on leaving, but I have an ex- I, I've, I've invested and I've planted roots here and I'm looking for friends as well. So it wasn't easy, but at this point in time, um, things are definitely uh, are, are going really well in Florence for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And okay. So, you know, um, what's it like being involved with a partner from a different culture? So like, you know, like what, what are sometimes like, you know, the joys and, you know, say the struggles sometimes that come with, you know, intercultural dating? Well, yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I have a, my particular relationship, I have a lot of different uh, intercultural and generational. My boyfriend's older than I am, mm-hmm. but specifically with intercultural, um, Italians are known to be very blunt and they're not politically correct. <laughs> okay. So that is, that is something, well, they'll say something and you'll be like, Ooh, that's harsh. You know, I'm like, there's an easier <laughs> way of saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but a lot of that where you turn your head and you be like, oh my God, that sounds horrible. You can't say that. Um, and then there was, the, because I am, I'm, I'm African-American and um, he's obviously Italian. Um, there's a lot of things that we both have to learn. We've had to learn about each other's cultures. He's met just my sister, my family. Um, the rest of my family was supposed to come in 2020. There was supposed to be either or. Um, of the city exchange, which didn't happen because of the pandemic. Um, but there's still things that I've had to teach him and vice versa, because we didn't like, we didn't plan to fall in love with a person of a different culture and a different um, race and all that other stuff. Um, we just, it just happened. So there was a, you know, okay, so what's normal in Italy? What's polite in Italy, what's not polite, and the same thing in, in Black culture. So I make a conscious effort when something happens, everything is a teachable moment for me. And my culture is very important. And um, I, one thing I do not want to happen is that I lose myself in the process of um, trying to blend 
uh, like coexist or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I, everything's a cool moment for him and I of, you know, I have to one, make sure that when you visit my family in the South, that you are prepared because we are Southern. <laughs> so let me just prepare you for certain things, i.e. we going to be loud. Um, and, gonna, and nobody's yelling we're not yelling we're just loud mm-hmm. and then there's just certain like you know I don't want my my family is a very loving family and if he was to say something that was offensive they wouldn't be upset with him they would say to me how come you didn't teach him so I have to make sure that there is uh, um, that there, that that he is informed because I want to set him up for success and vice versa and then you have the um, just the basics of when I am not around because of the classism is something that's big in Italy, but also there is still racism. So I've had to make a conscious effort to make sure that when I am not present, that he defends me, that it's not okay for your friend to make a joke about whatever person or whatever thing, or that you know that that does not make me happy. And even in my absence, you should be working to make me happy. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I have definitely invested into making sure that he is aware that I am a black woman and that he dates a black one, a woman that's black and that his friends will understand that I am a black woman that makes him happy and that they too will have to respect my, what I represent and who I am. So yeah. the cultural thing has something that's very important for me throughout my relationship. All right. So then let me go back to ask you something um, about, you know, being a flight attendant. So, you know, um, like what, what's, what's the process? Cause I'm sure now there are going to be people who are listening who are like, Oh, wow. Well, how do I become a flight attendant and, and I can travel, you know, or like I've thought about it or I'm in the process of it or something like that. So like, you know, what, what's it like, what's your day-to-day like, how, what was the process to become a flight attendant, stuff like that? Wow. Uh, well, to become a, when I initially became a flight attendant, everything was like written on paper. It was much easier than what it is now. Everything in the digital age where they will, um, they do video interviewing and all of that stuff now. Um, but from what I understand, it's relatively easy. One, because we're short flight attendants. So they are like anybody who can, you know, who, who can meet the minimum requirements. Um, which is basically like a clean background check. And um, I believe now it's really just a high school diploma. I don't, I don't, I don't think there is any like college degree or whatnot that's needed. It wasn't when I got hired, but I also had previous experience. So I don't know if that helped me, mm-hmm. but from what I understand, it's really, you just apply. And I would definitely tell whoever is um, wanting to be a flight attendant, to really do the research on the airline that they um, they're applying to, because a person might say that you know I love the service on this airline. You have to stop and look at the work that those flight attendants are doing. You're going to be working for that airline as uh, as an employee, not as a passenger sitting back and having a glass of Merlot. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> it's relatively yeah. easy. You know, all hiring right now. They're sure a lot of flight attendants took um, early retirement packages with the pandemic. So um, they've lost a lot of people and staffing has actually been something that's been a big issue with airlines right now because they, the demand for travel in, 
in the U.S., Americans are really traveling a lot. So we have, they have really, they're wanting people to come in. Even with pilots, they're like, we'll take pilots, we'll take this, we'll take that. I would definitely encourage anyone who's interested in becoming a flight attendant to um, to apply and to really do the research on the company that they are applying for. Well, my day-to-day as a flight attendant, I work early morning trips because I try to stay on European time. Mm-hmm. Um, I So I wake up at typically 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning on the oh, wow. East Coast. Um, yeah, and my flight, typically I have to be to the airport around 5.30 or 6.30, so it just depends. Um, and I fly a lot of flights to the West Coast. So when I'm home, I make my breakfast, I prepare my food for my entire trip. Um, I don't exercise the way that I should, um, but I do make sure that I eat really well, especially since the food in, in Italy is, um, it, my body processes it differently. So when I'm in the States, I do try to keep a very simple diet because I do, I can tell the difference in how my body processes it. So I really, I do very, very simple flights. I like to fly to the West Coast. I love Seattle. I love San Fran when I'm in the States. And I do have some, some family in uh, those cities. So I'll try to see maybe a family member or whatnot. Um, And really, that's it. When I am in Italy, my lifestyle is completely different. I hit the ground running when I am in Italy. I'm like a little terratale and I'm a socialite when I'm there. (laughs) But in the States, I am just really chill. I just work a lot. Wow. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, Okay. And so, you know, what would you say have been like the struggles and joys of being an expat? Oh, the struggle and the joys. Well, I mean, I a lot of the joys do come from the fact that um, I have a partner that I'm really happy with and that I have, um, wow, the joys. And that I'm able to really separate myself from the state. Like the state is like kind of, it's like the chaos of everything. Mm-hmm. So when I States and I go back to Italy, it is like a, a breath of fresh air. So that has been a really, that's been a big joy. And I'm just, I'm just so happy there. I have no, like, it's like taking off your bra. If any of you ladies yes. are listening, it is like, oh my God, that was a great, that was a great analogy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Peace. <laughs> like joy. Um, and the struggles, I mean, the struggles were, of course, like said, um, uh, meeting friends, but it's Italian. I do not speak Italian. And living between the two uh, countries has actually been detrimental to me learning Italian because I'm never in Italy long enough to actually use what I learn. Mm-hmm. And then I also end up being around typically Americans and or my, my boyfriend speaks English. So I never really had the chance to use my Italian skills um, because by the time I, I'm there, I end up having to go back to the States. Mm-hmm. So that's been a real, the language has been a, a struggle. Um, culturally, I feel like now early on, there were a lot of, um, mm-hmm. I knew nothing. So I was like, I want shrimp Alfredo, which is a big no-no in Italy. <laughs> you do not mix seafood. That's a big no-no. I okay. wanted the cappuccino for lunch. They're like, no, they're going to like deport me for wanting that. You cannot have a cappuccino after like 1130 AM. Mm-hmm. They'll make it, but they're just, you like crazy. Um, so like those little things and, and just, you know, oh, that's just not what you do. And I will, 
asking so many questions and it's like a little kid you're like but why and you answer the kid's question they're like why and you're like well because of this but why and you're like because because why that was me and it just didn't make any sense I was like well but why why can't I have it but why and I was just so frustrated mm-hmm. so um yeah the struggles with Italy was a lot of just my not knowing ahead of time of the, the basic stuff so that is something that I really do try to do is just inform people of the basics of um, this, you know, this is considered not rude in Italy. It's rude where I'm from, but it's not rude in Italy. And, um, you know, just little things when I'm on TikTok or whatever, it's been, I've, I've been trying my best to kind of stop people from making the mistakes that I've made. But mm-hmm. Italy, it's, I, um, you know, when I go out to, when we go out to dinner, I get, people will apologize like, Oh, I'm so sorry, Sam. Um, you know, that we're speaking Italian and I, you know, it's, People are so accommodating of us as foreigners, and I am a I am a guest in your land. So I, I you know, I, I make sure I say like, no, 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 speak Italian. I need to learn. I'm no longer a guest here. You know, like I'm a guest, but I'm not a guest. I am. A, I haven't put the effort so that I can participate in this conversation. But that doesn't mean I don't need to learn. That I don't need to hear this. It's perfectly fine if I I need to to put the pieces together to try to understand the sentence. And because everyone tries to accommodate, you know, us, especially Americans, English speakers, um, we kind of get spoiled. And it kind of is a double edged sword. Like I can participate in the conversation, but now I'm not learning what I really need to learn. So, you know, going to the country, respecting the land, respecting the culture, respecting the language. Um, and, you know, just understanding the basics, especially with Italy, a lot of people think Italy is is a theme park. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's, it's not. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's kind of trying to tell people that, you know, like there are, you're going to an area that is really beautiful, but it's the hood. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be, you need to prepare for the hood. Mm-hmm. So little things like that, yeah, it's um, it's been it's it's been very interesting with the, like those basic struggles of of uh, culture versus um, people versus is this rude? Is this not rude? Like I now I now can understand when an Italian is being rude, and so now I can you know now I can properly react to it, which before I was just docile. So mm-hmm. that was something as well. We just sit there. You're like, maybe this is a cultural thing. And then you learn that person's just a jerk. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And, you know, moving to Italy, you know, as an American, even though like our passports obviously are very strong, we can go lots of different places, but moving can be a little bit different. So like, what, what was the visa process like? You know, you've been there so long. So what was that like? Well, I am, I'm, I guess you could say I'm a unicorn. I am <laughs> never, I'm, Italy long enough to to go over the amount of time that a tourist would uh, with the Schengen um, visa automatically get it's 90 out of 180 days so I did have a visa before which is when I had a student um, I had a student visa that I got during the pandemic and I did actually study Italian I was a regular student um, and I got that so I could stay in Italy during the pandemic and um, and not be illegal uh, which a lot of people have that happen where they are they over they, they overstay their their welcome their legal welcome in these countries. Mm-hmm. So it's ninety out of one hundred eighty days. I am basically just going back and forth, and I do track my days so I don't go over it. Uh, my boyfriend and I, we are uh, our plan is to get married. Mm-hmm. So once that 
extend, um, then I'll be, I'll have residency via that. And there is a way to get residency via um, like partnership, kind of like domestic partnership, um, which is a law that came into place for same-sex partners, which now anyone can basically use it. But uh, we just, for us, it's just double the paperwork. The bureaucracy in Italy is, is they're notorious for being absolutely horrible. And, and so we don't want to go through that process twice. So it's just basically, um, we're just going to end up getting married. And because um, we love each other and because um, it's just, I mean, it's time. Five years, it's time. And that'll just take care of the typical residency um, hurdles that a person would have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. How did it work when, when, you know, you were existing through COVID, you know, and obviously you work in the travel industry. How did that work? Like, you know, were, were you concerned? Oh yes. Very concerned. Very, because I was stuck in, um, I was stuck in, um, in New York. I had a little apartment I was sharing with some other flight attendants. I was stuck in New York for several months. So I was, I was very depressed. It was horrible. I was crying all the time. Like, mm. you know, you're FaceTiming person and out of nowhere, you just start crying. Mm-hmm. So it was absolutely horrible. I was, I was very depressed and, you know, like the whole world who knew what was going on. So it was like, am I going to see you again? Uh, we had just uh, spent a week in London um, when Italy started to lock down and we were watching everything unfold on television. And my, I remember my boyfriend saying, I think this is going to be bad. And before that last night, before I went back to New York, I remember crying. I was like, you're making it so, you know, it sounds so horrible. Like, okay, what if it is bad? And I was very emotional. And that was the end of February. And I was planning to come back to Italy um, with work. And I remember the flights were canceling and my boyfriend was going to visit me in Rome where we were going. And, um, and he was like, well, if you, if you know, if your flight doesn't cancel, well, I can't get to Rome because the trains are, you can't, I can't take the train. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was just like, okay, well then I'll just, you know, go to Rome and I'll just, I've never, there were so many cities that were completely empty and it was like, what are the chances of seeing Rome deserted? So I was just Mm -hmm. interested in seeing that. Um, and then once everything started to cancel and I was in New York and there was no way of me getting back to Italy because of the residency situation and, you know, the consulate and the state didn't have any answers. There were tons of uh, these groups online that were talking about, you know, your partner lives in one country, you live in another country. How can you guys link back up? You know, there was tons of like kind of support groups, mm-hmm. um, but it just, didn't you know it doesn't suffice and you want to be with your partner and you're like all right you guys I'm it's kind of like you know it's the blind leading the blind like nobody really know everyone's guessing so it was really depressing and then I ended up going to Croatia and I, I got a student visa for Italy um and that that is basically was how I ended up getting back into the country I, I quarantined in Croatia for two weeks and um and yeah it was my first time in Croatia so that was cool but you know it was still kind of scary because once you get into the country you're afraid to leave mm-hmm. so you're like what if it's again what if it shuts down again so there was paranoia um around that like when I do have to return to the states for work what's going to happen and will I ever be able to see you so it was an emotional uh, roller coaster of just so many what ifs and um yeah it was it was absolutely horrible it was mm-hmm. absolutely horrible thing. Um, the planes were empty for the first, 
I didn't take leave until September. Mm-hmm. So um, for the first from March to September, I worked. And um, it was very strange because you would have maybe two passengers on the plane. Um, you, We were not sure, of course, what was going on. Um, you'd have, they'll send you to one city as a regular passenger, we call it deadheading. So you deadhead to LA and then you work the flight, you stay in LA for a whole day and then you work the flight back. And they were just, re- they were relocating us just because they needed to kind of put us somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of cities, like I, I did some trips that we typically wouldn't do on New York based. So uh, there were a lot of trips to Alaska. So it was interesting to see Alaska completely empty, going to Anchorage, going to Juneau and just, it was, you know, there's no cruise ship people or anything like that. So it was just, it was very strange. It was kind of apocalyptic. And at the same time, there was still like a certain beauty to it, especially in New York. You come home and, you know, come to my little, we call it a crash pad with all the flight attendants um, who are commuting where we stay. And um, there was only a few of us who technically my, uh, my, my U.S. address is my mother's address in Florida, but I wasn't going to go to her house because I still wanted to work. I knew I didn't want to stay in that. With them, it would be you're either in or out. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to do that. I still wanted to have control of my life. So I stayed at the flight attendant house in New York. And there were other people who were in the similar situation of where they didn't want to go to their house because they were living with someone who was immune compromised or uh, or whatever it may be. They had a pregnant daughter. They don't want, you know, there was tons of that. So it was, we, we built a little family with us ladies who where we would cook for each other. We'd have, you know, Mother's Day brunch, you know, with just a bunch of us little us girls in the, in the crash pad. And none of us are mothers, but we're having a Mother's Day brunch. All right. And then, you know, there was the, you know, every day at seven o'clock, people kind of, you know, beating the pots out the windows. And so it was, it was very interesting. And it was even more interesting as you started to see um, things kind of, kind of in quotations, go back to normal mm-hmm. to where like just one day pot stopped, you know, and it was just kind of like, it, it, it just, you kind of just felt that there was a, like, okay, this is, we're moving into a new cycle here in what exactly is going on. So it was, it was very interesting for the aviation industry. I'm actually really happy that I worked through it. So mm-hmm. even though it was really horrible being there and being kind of lonely and not knowing what was going on, it was such a monumental time to be in aviation. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy that I was actually able to say that I experienced it. So, you know, this was a really good conversation, but you're going to be in Seattle. And then, you know, how long does it take on average, I guess, for you to get back home? Oh, wow. Oh, that's another good question. I <laughs> I plan everything around our social events and mm-hmm. or um, like, uh, what do you call it? Um, holidays or birthdays or whatnot. So mm-hmm. I probably won't go home until actually July. Mm-hmm. Um, I put in a lot of time with flying and then I'll not feel guilty when I go home and I do absolutely nothing and I'm there for three weeks or so. Mm-hmm. So I won't probably act in Italy until like maybe the second week of July. And this is, what is this like the 6th of June? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping that I can go back sooner. That's always ideal. But right now with the aviation industry, because we are short flight attendants. So all of you flight attendant people, <laughs> people, people want to be flight attendants please apply. Um, Because we're so short flight attendants, they are giving us more flights than normal. So what I do is I will, um, I'll schedule my my schedule so that 
my trips from July, I'll bring into June. So I'll work a lot in June so I can have a lot of time off in July. Mm -hmm. So, and the summer is always a very popular time in Italy. That's when really everyone is at the sea. Um, My boyfriend's family has a seaside house in the South. So um, we will try to do some of that. And then I have some family that's going to try to visit Italy this year. So my focus right now is July and August just being a complete like vagabond, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So it's been really great talking to Sam today on this podcast. Are we home yet? A podcast where I talk to expats around the world and find out what's it like, the struggles, the joys, and, you know, find out like all kinds of like tidbits that hopefully can help future expats move abroad and maybe live their best life. And so with that, I'm going to say goodbye to our audience and goodbye to Sam. I hope you have a great day and a great time in Seattle and travel as well. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Listen to my next interview with Alicia, where she talks about creating a creative coaching and wellness business, opening a business in China, and living in China during COVID. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to arewehomeyetpodcast.com. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.